You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Another good show for you today. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs, the two games last night, a little bit more on Monday's Lakers-Warriors game, and then game five tonight in Golden State, and kind of what you need to see. Also, NHL playoffs. Been going really well, although there's been a lot of blowouts in the second round. Dallas Stars tied up at two last night. Going to talk about that for a little bit, and then I'm just going to talk about also baseball coming to Las Vegas. Where are they building this thing? I've got some thoughts, and we will get to that momentarily. So one thing that I wanted to talk about right off the bat is the notion of the hot take industry that sports talk radio is and television debate shows are. And I've said this from the very beginning when I started the Sports Daily. It's just not something that I'm ever going to get into. Uh, it's, it's one of the reasons why I don't like the debate shows, the hot sports opinion stuff where you have to have a side on something when everything is so black and white to people when it comes to sports, when in reality most of the stuff lies in a gray area. It's like, oh, the Boston Celtics went up 2-0 on the Philadelphia – not sorry, they didn't go up 2-0, but, um, you know, uh, let's take the Denver Nuggets, for example. Denver Nuggets go up 2-0 against the Phoenix Suns. It's like, oh, my gosh, Phoenix is, looks terrible. How are they even going to guard Denver? This doesn't make any sense. Denver's going to kill them. Denver's the best team in the Western Conference. They're going to win the NBA championship this year. They are just dominating right now. And then they go on the road and lose two in a row to the Phoenix Suns, and they don't even have Chris Paul on their team. you know. And then they come home, and what happens last night? Another blowout win for the Nuggets at home. It's just like everything is game to game. I talked about it the other day. Yesterday I talked about it, the Stars and the Seattle Kraken series. 1-1, game three is in Seattle, and they win, uh, what, seven? What was it, 7-2, to right? Yeah. They win 7-2. to I was like, I don't care what the score was. That's one game. If the Stars come back and win the next game one nothing, who cares that the Seattle Kraken won by five goals the game before? Series aren't determined by goal differential. And what happened last night? They bounced back two days later after getting just destroyed and probably their worst playoff game of the season, if not in the past few years. 7-2 to two they lose, and they come back two days later, and they go up 4 nothing, then 5-1, and they win 6-3. So it's like – it's like I, I – but hot take world is after game three. It's like, ugh, what are the stars doing? God, they're playing terrible. And, and it's just this, everything is like the world is coming to an end take when it's just like, no. There's just, there's so much more nuance to talk about with these games. However, I do understand that if you're on national television, if you're on ESPN on a debate show, you can't just sit there and say, yeah, well, we'll see what happens because that's not interesting television. But honestly, that's what should be said. <laughs> They're debating things that are like so hard stance one way or another when there is no hard stance to take. Every single one of these series in the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs going on right now is everything is a one game at a time. And it doesn't matter what happened one game because it means absolutely nothing going to the next game you know it really doesn't <laughs> it just Boston Celtics lose game one at home in this Eastern Conference semifinals Ugh, they're done 
And they come back and win game two. Now they got the momentum. Game three, they go into Philly and win that. Oh, Philly. You win game one and you've lost two in a row. You've lost complete control of the series. And then they win game four. It's like, oh, well, it's 2-2 going back to Boston. Boston's going to get right. No, they didn't. They got blown out at home last night. It's like you can't sit here and make everything so doom and gloom. So just keep that in mind. I like to just lay out statistics. I like to lay out facts. I like to lay out storylines to look into things. Like I said before the Warriors game uh, five the other night, I'm sorry, game four the other night in L.A., I said the last five times the Warriors have lost a playoff game uh, by double digits, they came back and won the next game by double digits. But that didn't happen on Monday night. So tonight, they're down 3-1. They need to win this game, clearly. And if there is a team that can come back from a 3-1 deficit, hasn't happened very much in NBA playoff history. But if there is a team that could do it, it's the defending NBA champions who have been there and done that. This is still a Laker team that's only been together for the last three months. You just never know. What if the Golden State Warriors win game five tonight at home, which they should, they're on their home court, and then game six, we have a repeat of game four where it's just close at the end and it's just about who's going to make shots and who isn't. They could play the same exact game as they played in game four, but Golden State comes out on top. Then it's a game seven back in San Francisco and – Again, it's anybody's game, but Golden State would have the advantage. So I just wanted to you just reiterate, there's just no reason to get too high or too low on anything unless there is, you know, a complete blowout or, you know, what happened to the Milwaukee Bucks. You're allowed to have some serious criticism about their season because they should not have lost four games to one to an eight seed. That was literally four minutes away from not even making the playoffs. So, anyway, moving on. Last night, (laughs) uh, the Celtics. You know, what are you doing? Do you know that was the first time in Philadelphia 76er history they won a road game five in a series that was tied at two? They had never done it as a franchise. And remember, back in the 80s, Sixers had some good teams. They had never won a road game five in a series that was tied 2-2 until last night. And last night wasn't even close. They got up by double digits. I don't think Boston ever got it under seven or eight. I mean, that was a stomping. And, but what does it mean for the next game? Does it mean, oh my gosh, Philly just won game five in Boston. They're going home with a chance to close out the Celtics on their home court, and go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Just because they won Game 5, throw it out. It doesn't mean they will win Game 6. If anything, Boston clearly going to play with a sense of urgency because their season is on the line. But everybody who's down to a team who's won three games in the series is playing with their season on the line. Sometimes they win and extend the series. Sometimes they don't. I don't think Philly has any sort of advantage by playing game six at home. Boston has proven they can win there, just like Philly has proven they can win in Boston. They've done it twice in this series. And speaking of Boston and the Celtics and their home court, saw this on Twitter last night. The Boston Celtics are 9-10 and in their last 19 home playoff games. So even if they force a game seven back home, who's to say they're going to win? Philly has already won two of the three games in Boston this series. If Philly should lose game six at home, 
sure, Boston carries momentum into Game 7, but they're under 500 in their last 19 home playoff games. That's kind of a large sample size. It just goes to show they're not invincible at home. You compare that to the Golden State Warriors' home record, and I believe they're like 22-4 and four in their last 26 home games in the NBA playoffs. The Lakers have won eight in a row at home, dating back to the regular season. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 worked out well for other teams. The Denver Nuggets have not lost a home game in this playoff season. They were 34-7 and seven at home during the regular season. So, yeah, it shows that it's going to take a monumental effort to somehow beat some of these teams. But it can be done. With Boston, it doesn't seem like it's going to take a monumental effort because they haven't been good at home for the last 19 home playoff games they've hosted, you know. So I, just a crazy, crazy, uh, just the way it played out. Not that Philadelphia won the game. They won game one there without Joel Embiid. But they just dominated Boston yesterday. I don't know what Boston is doing. Um, they are just not the defensive team that they were last year that got them to the NBA Finals. They're just not. And I, even if they do win game six and happen to win, if they get out of this series, I, you know, as much as I'm surprised at how Miami is, is doing, I can't, it's like, I can't even bet against Miami at this point. They're playing too well. And Boston certainly hasn't played well. They didn't play well in the first round against the Hawks. Some horrible defensive games there. They can't stop the Sixers. I don't know. I'm kind of throwing my hands up with the Celtics. My feeling is they just aren't good enough to win an NBA championship. They're not going to win four series. They've only won one so far, and they're one game away from being eliminated. So I just don't think they're going to win it all. But if they happen to get by Philly, I don't know if they get by probably Miami. One thing to go over, uh, and I got this from the Ryan Rosillo podcast, who's excellent at breaking down some of the games. I heard this today when I was listening to some of it on my walk. I didn't even realize this. We all know that in the Laker game on Monday night, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, went crazy in the fourth quarter. He had 15 points for the game all in the fourth quarter. And I told you that Anthony Davis only had four points in the second half. What I didn't know was in the last 927 of the game on Monday night, the only person to make a basket for the Lakers Outside of one basket by Austin Reeves, the only field goals to be made in the last nine and a half minutes of that game were by Lonnie Walker. LeBron did not have a field goal in the fourth quarter. Anthony Davis did not have a field goal in the fourth quarter. They had free throws, no field goals. Nine and a half minutes. Golden State's got to be kicking themselves. Like Golden State just basically leaves that game and said, we lost a game where LeBron and AD didn't have a basket in the last nine and a half minutes of a game four on their home court, and we lost because we couldn't control Lonnie Walker the fourth. I had no idea about that. I knew that Lonnie Walker went crazy. We knew that he had 15 points in the fourth, and those were his only points in the game. But shit, I had no idea. He dominated that much, and LeBron and AD didn't dominate outside of just making free throws. Golden State had their chances, and they clearly have to change things up tonight. It's going to be curious to see what they do tonight. I'm assuming they're going to stay with the same exact offensive starting five 
and put Gary Payton in there. Kevon Looney's probably not going to get a lot of time. He just doesn't fit into this series. He's too slow to guard Anthony Davis. However, the biggest question, and I think you could almost put it on his shoulders, if Jordan Poole plays well and can score 10 to 15 points, I think Golden State's going to be in good shape and win the game. But I guarantee you Jordan Poole is going to be on a short leash tonight. Guarantee you. If he's in there for the first three or four minutes and is doing nothing and missing shots and turning the ball over and running around like his head is chopped off, I think he comes out of the game and he might not ever get back in. He only played 10 minutes on Monday night, zero points. Over four from two, uh, over four from the field, over two from three point range. And this was a guy that last year in the playoffs, he was one of the main reasons the Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship. He was a guy that when Steph Curry went to the bench, you could count on him. He averaged 17 and a half points in the playoffs last year. He shot 50% from the field in the playoffs last year, almost 40% from three point range. Do you know what his stats are? He's averaging eight points a game in this series and shooting 35%. In the postseason overall, he's averaging 10.5 points a game, 34% from the field, and 27.8% from three-point range. He's a non-factor. And he's a guy that is literally the third or fourth highest paid player on the team. It's either him or Wiggins. So I can pretty much guarantee you this if golden state bows out either in game five or they lose in game six and they, they just, or they lose this series and they lose in the second round jordan pool is getting traded in this offseason i think that he has proven and i don't want to this isn't like and i hate to have you know like i just said at the beginning of the show this this hot take thing i just think the golden state warriors realized maybe last year was fool's gold with him and i think that they would easily Put have to put because he's an asset. He is somebody that somebody will trade for. He's young and he's proven he has played well in the playoffs before. You say why would Golden State give up on him after one year? Because they've got too many guys making too much money, and with the new CBA, if they're going to sign Draymond, I don't even know if it's possible. I don't know if they can sign Draymond to the contract he wants, which is probably thirty to thirty-five million a year. You can't have Steph. Clay, Wiggins, Poole, and Draymond all making over $30 million a year. It's not even possible with the new salary cap rules. So Jordan Poole is an asset, and he would have to be dealt. And I think this horrible postseason, if it continues for him, will put him in a package, and he will get dealt somewhere. And they can find a, you know, a athletic forward who can shoot threes and package him and and – some team would absolutely take pool on. Maybe he just needs a new scenery. Maybe it's too much pressure playing in Golden State because everybody knows he's never going to live up and be Steph or Clay. And maybe last year he played more free. I don't know if it got in his head this year. We don't know. He could come out tonight and score 25. He's that good. He's shown he can put up big numbers in a playoff game. He just hasn't shown it the first two rounds this series, so why would we think all of a sudden in game five he would? It's possible he can, but then if he goes right back in game six and throws up a one for eight, it's just like, okay, it was just a one-game thing. So I really think this is a telling point for Jordan Poole, and my thinking is if they lose this series, whether it's tonight or game six Friday or if they force a game seven and happen to lose that, if they go out in the second round this year, I think 
he is getting traded. He is going to be put in a package in the offseason, and Golden State's going to be looking to move on from him. NHL playoffs last night, two blowouts. Carolina goes up 3-1 to one on the New Jersey Devils with a 6-1 win. I mentioned earlier, Dallas Stars obviously needed this one. Didn't want to fall behind three games to one. Lose 7-2, look terrible in game three, and 48 hours later, they look like world beaters. They come out, they jump on the Seattle Kraken early. Well, they didn't score early, but they did get a goal at the end, towards the end of the first period, and then tacked on three more to go up 4 nothing, and that was pretty much all she wrote. When Seattle cut it to 4-1, it's like, okay, either keep it at 4-1 or extend to 5-1, but you don't want to get to 4-2 because then things get a little hairy. They didn't. They got it up to 5-1, then it was 5-2, and then they got an empty net goal, the Stars did, and or sorry, it got to 5-3, and then the Stars got an empty netter to win 6-3. So 2-2, heading back to Dallas Thursday night. That game will be crazy because the Dallas Stars have a really good shot to win the NHL Stanley Cup this year. They really do. Um Sometimes they lay eggs like they did in game three against Minnesota and game three against Seattle. They've lost both game ones at home in the first two series, but yet here they are with a control their own destiny. You win your final two home games, you win this series, and you advance to the Western Conference Finals. And they where they will play the winner of the Vegas-Edmonton series. Vegas is up uh, two to one, but they've proven they can beat Edmonton. Uh, excuse me. They've proven they can beat – well, they actually beat both of them in the last – in the bubble, I believe, they beat both the Golden Knights and the Oilers. So, yes, that was three years ago, different team. But it just shows hockey, as I mentioned at the beginning, just everything is so game to game. And because the Stars won last night does not mean they're going to win on Thursday. Because Seattle looked horrible last night does not mean they're going to look horrible on Thursday. It's just turn on your TV and just watch and see what happens because it's so hard to predict what team is showing up? Because game one, Stars didn't look good at all. Game two, they did. Game three, they came out in a 1-1 series and laid an egg. Game four, they came out, and it was a completely different team. And it's just like, okay, well, who's going to show up? Why can't we keep – why can't you look like the same team all four games, you know? And same with the Kraken. They haven't looked good in two of the four games. So it's just – it's crazy. You just – you kind of scratch your head. You're just like, Why? And, and it could be one of these things where it's like, okay, we're off a loss. We have to play better. We don't want to fall behind 3-1 stars last night. But it's just why can't the way the stars looked last night, why can't that translate every game? And the way the Kraken looked in game three, why did that translate to game four for them? Who knows? It's just impossible. It's impossible to know why it just can't carry over. Same goes in the NBA, you know? Golden State got beat bad at home in game one. It's just like, and they come out in game two and win by 27. You're like, holy shit. Golden State found it. They're back on track. And then the Lakers win by 30 in game three. It's like, what What happened? You just played 48 hours ago against the same team. And you there's a 58-point swing in, in scoring difference. It's just, it's why sports are the greatest reality show on television. I say it at the end of every podcast, not for show, not for shtick is because it's true, because you cannot script this stuff. And finally, I want to talk about baseball and the fact that the Oakland A's are moving to Las Vegas. However, 
where it was first announced was about a mile north of where Allegiant Stadium is, where the Raiders play. And so it was going to be on the west side of the 15 freeway. Now there's a report yesterday that Vegas is going to bulldoze the Tropicana, and that's where the field's going. $1.5 billion stadium, and it's going right where the Tropicana would be, but they're going to take a wrecking ball to that thing. To me, it'd be a great place to have a stadium there. It's literally caddy corner from T-Mobile where the Vegas Golden Knights play and where a lot of the concerts are and stuff like that. But even if you bulldoze the Tropicana, like obviously I'm very familiar with Vegas. If you bulldoze the Tropicana, I still don't think that's enough room for a baseball stadium. Because right next to that is the old San Remo, which is now, which then became the Hooters Hotel, which then became the Oyo Hotel, still has Hooters in the casino floor. But it seems like that would have to be bulldozed too, and things around it. A baseball stadium takes up some good acreage, you know? You don't need to have a giant parking lot, especially for Vegas, just like Allegiant Stadium doesn't, because there's so many ways to get to it. Most people that are going to football games now in Vegas are staying at the hotel and then tramming over or just getting over to the Mandalay Bay side, the Excalibur side, and just walking over the bridge. You're not driving and parking very often at a Vegas Raider football game. It's just not happening. And the same thing would happen for baseball. A lot of people would come in town, stay at one of the hotels on the Strip, take a cab to the end of the Strip or the beginning of the Strip, whatever you want to call it, and then just uh, get dropped off and walk into the stadium or if you're staying at the MGM or Park MGM or New York, New York or Excalibur or Luxor, Mandalay, all on that side, which is across the street from where the stadium would be. If the trop gets bulldozed, you would just walk. And but it just I'm, I'm trying to visualize this and it's it's kind of hard when I'm there in three weeks for my party. Maybe I'll take a look at it again, but it seems like they would have to bulldoze almost a whole catty corner of things for a baseball stadium to go where the Tropicana is. But maybe I'm just not thinking of how big the Trop is. I don't know. I'd have to I have to look at it again. On a map, it doesn't look very big. I've been in the Tropicana. It doesn't seem like... It's certainly not one of the major hotels on the Strip. Not anymore. Maybe in the 70s it was. It is, it is one of the cheaper hotels on the Strip now. So I don't think it's a problem to bulldoze it. I just think you need more space. What do I know? Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast. Pass this along to your friends. Big game tonight, game five for the Warriors. They got to win to stay alive. And the other game is what? Oh, the Heat looking to close out the Knicks in New York. And then some hockey games as well. We got Vegas and Edmonton. Edmonton's going to need to defend their home ice. And Florida can close out Toronto by winning at home and sweep that series. So those are your four games in the NBA and NHL tonight. And we'll have some more stuff to talk about tomorrow. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Pass this along to your friends. Let them know all about it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.